Most of us, I would say most, because there are some of those weird people out there that have absolutely no social media. Any of those out there? Just a few. Yeah, there are a few that have absolutely no social media, uh, no MySpace account, none of that. Truth is, those people that say they don't have social media probably have a MySpace account still, and it's probably still active. But think about this. Think about this, your, your social media. How many followers do you, do, does the average person have? Most, most people, whether it's uh, Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or, or any of those things, most of them have over a thousand, well over a thousand friends or followers. Now, let me ask you this. How many do you really know? You ever just kind of been scrolling through there and going, who is this? Like, I don't, I don't know this person. You've been friends with them or, or, or uh, known them uh, through social media for, for a really long time. You think about this. How many do you really know? And here's the thing about this. I would argue that one of the greatest downfalls of our modern culture is this, this veneer of real community that we have uh, through uh, mainly like social media that exists. We are such a culture of non-commitment. And oftentimes, things like social media can, can give us this false sense of community. Oh, we're friends. Oh, they like this or uh, those different things. And, and it's such this, this veneer, I would argue, this veneer of, of real community that, that we see. Most relationships like this are, are superficial at best. And usually, they don't portray truth at all. They don't. Because you think about, um, how often do you retake that Instagram photo? Oh, I got to get just right to get that. I don't do that most of the time, but, but most of you guys know what I'm talking about, right? We got to get got to make this look, look right, right? We got to make sure everything looks, got looks perfect. If we're going to put this out there because we want people to like these things. And, and here's the problem with that. When, when we, we say that, that we have these relationships that, that exists through that, they leave us with this feeling of not, not any, not real connection, but they honestly, they leave us disconnected. And oftentimes it, it leaves us in fear and loneliness. It's a dangerous thing. And, and the reason is we weren't created to operate that way. We weren't. God has created us to be in real community with one another, face-to-face -face community with one another, to, to invest in one another, to love one another, to care for one another, to see the junk in one another's lives. And I think the evil one loves to convince us that we have to have it all together before we can really engage in true, real community. And here's, here's the, the truth about this. God created all, he created us for community. God created all the living things and, and, and the man. L listen to what he says in the very beginning of the Bible. Genesis chapter two, verse 18. It says, then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Bingo, you're created. Even you introverts out there were created to be in community. From the very beginning, you were created to be in community. Genesis 1:26. God says, let us make man in our image. Then you look at verse 27. God says, he says, uh, God says, uh, 
It says, God created man in his own image, male and female, he created them. Here's the beautiful part about that. We are the only creation made in God's image. I'm sorry, but your dog is not made in God's image. Your cat, your goldfish, your hamster, none of those things were created. You were created in God's image. And, and we're to be image bearers of God. And God is a God of community. Did you know that? He is a God of community. And let me prove it to you. At the heart of all reality is a God who exists as a, a, in community. Before the creation of the world, the triune God was infinitely happy in himself, in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Community. But here's the beautiful thing about it. <laughs> the beautiful thing about that is God made us. And he desires to be in community with us. Even though he was, he was infinitely happy in himself, in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we see this community. God created us. We're created in his image. And he is a God of community, and we should be also. But here's, here's the big struggle. How do we do that and do it well? Not through a screen on our phone or our computer, but how do we do that really, really well? Glad you asked. You got your Bibles open or your apps open to Matthew, Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. I'm going to read just a few verses here. Start verse, verse 34. This is, if you're, if you're looking in your Bible, the kind of the, the title of that section right there, this is one of the gospels, the first gospel in the New Testament, first book of the New Testament. It's called the Great Commandment. So what we see here. But when the Pharisees had heard that, that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. But did you notice Jesus didn't stop there? Listen to what he says next in verse 39. And a second is like it, meaning it's almost as important. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depends all the law of the prophets. This is God's word. Let's pray this morning. We're going to dig into this today. Father in heaven, I thank you. Thank you for a beautiful morning. Thank you for allowing us to gather in the park, Father. Thank you for just an incredible weekend that we've had of severance days where our community is coming together. But Father, my prayer this morning is that you would open our eyes, uh, just pull the veil back for us to understand and see what true community really means. So Father, would you encourage us and equip us and strengthen us to not only be in community with one another, but first and foremost, to be in community with you. So Lord, would you help us with this? And it's in Jesus' holy and precious name that we pray. Amen. So let me give you a little bit of context of where, where we're at here in this passage of scripture. This is, this is the final days of, of Jesus, and, and he's, he's doing a lot of teaching here. And he, he's, he's wanting his followers to, to really grasp a hold of some really foundational teaching. He, he's about to go to the cross. He's about to be crucified. He's about to be buried. And he's about to, to, to be resurrected. This huge tragic thing is about to, about to happen to Jesus and these followers are about to see this. So he's really working hard to, to just establish some foundational truth to his people. 
And what we see here is that, that he's met with this opposition. Now, this is not the first time. Uh, in fact, Jesus' whole ministry was met with opposition. There were these religious leaders uh, that were coming at him and trying to, to, to silence him. They're doing everything that they could because they hated him, because he was gathering this great following. He was getting, and, and the thing about it is, is Jesus was telling the truth. He was about uh, this truth that he was teaching there was just opposite of what a lot of these religious leaders were about. And, and what we see here is it was an assault on their self-righteous ways. They repeatedly looked for a way to trick Jesus. And they were trying to find a way to, to get a really good excuse to get rid of him. What can we do to trick him up? Did you notice in our, our passage, they asked him this question to test him. So what we see here, one of those religious leaders comes to him trying to trick him, to test him. And he asked him a really great question. A really good question. The question is this. What is the greatest commandment? Let me put that in modern day terms. Hey, Jesus. What's the best and noblest thing I can do? What's the best and noblest thing that I can could ever do? What a great question. I think it's an honest question. I think the motive of these guys were wrong, but I think for us, it's a great question to ask. Hey God, what, what, what is the most noblest thing I could do? The best and noblest thing that I could do. And I love how Jesus answers. He gives the answer. First and foremost, love God with all that you are. Everything that you have, everything that you are everything. That's kind of tough, isn't it? Let me just ask this. Anybody ever done that for maybe one second? My hand's not up. I strive for it, but this is the greatest and uh, the greatest commandment. But, but I love that Jesus doesn't stop there. He then says, hey, the, the second is, is just like it. It's just about as important. In fact, I, I don't think you could separate the two and, and that's going to be my argument for the rest of our time this morning that I don't think you could separate the two. The second one, he says, he says, you are to love your neighbor as yourself. See, here's the thing. I don't think you can fully love God and not love your neighbor. I don't think you could tr truly pursue community with God and not pursue community with your neighbor. I think this is what Jesus is teaching here. And also, I would argue that this is crucial and foundational for true, real community. I've kind of thrown that word around quite a bit, so let me define it before we step into it. Dictionary.com defines community as this. Dictionary.com says community is a social group of any size whose members reside in a specific uh, locality. They share government and often have a common cultural and historical heritage. I think that's a very generic definition of community. And what it describes is just a group of people that kind of live in the same area. But what God has designed for us is not simply that we just live around each other. God has designed us for, to live with each other, to be in true community with each other. Meaningful, deep, caring relationships. And in this passage, we are, we are told just how to do it. The how is 
is love. It's love. This is the how. And we begin with the love for God. So, so here's, here's where we go. In this passage, Jesus says that, that all of the law is summed up on these two commandments. Love God with all that you are and love your neighbor as yourself. And when we take a look at the Ten Commandments, he's right. All of those commandments, if we just take the Ten Commandments, we see that it's summed up in there. If you look at the, the first four commandments, all of those describe our relationship with God. All of those four, and then you take the last six, all of those describe our relationship with each other. I say the first four are what I call these vertical commandments, and the last six are, are what we call horizontal commandments because they, they deal with, with how we are with each other. Just take a look at this. Hear this. First four commandments. Have no other gods before me. First one. Do not make any idols. That's the second one. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. And, and the fourth one. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Here's what Jesus is saying. Hey, put me first. Have no other gods before me. Don't let anything sit on the throne of your heart. Hey, in fact, to help you with that, don't make any idols of me because I, I, God is not a God that fits in a box that we could carve something or, or go, hey, here's, here's what I can look at and, and I can worship this thing because God doesn't fit in a thing. He's eternal. He's bigger than that. This is why he says, hey, don't do that. I'm much bigger than that. And he says, hey, uh, don't, don't take my name in vain because my name is holy. Remember that. And these are good things. And, and then he says, hey, keep the Sabbath holy. Well, what he says there is just, hey, take some time and spend with me. Dedicated time and spend with me. That's what that means. Now, at, the, at first glance, these, these can sound like really hard rules or restrictions that God places upon us, but they're not. They're not. They're actually meant for our good and our benefit. Every one of these are. And here's the thing. Let me just talk about this, of keeping God first. God gives us these because he deeply, deeply loves us. See, when we chase after other things and, and we allow them to sit on the throne of our hearts, they never, ever satisfy you. They never satisfy us. They never fulfill us like God does. That's why he says, hey, Hey, don't worship other things. Hey, don't worship other things. Don't chase after other things because they will make you, they will just make you empty promises and they will leave you hopeless. God gives us these commands because he loves us and therefore are good. Here's the thing, to, to love God is to know him. To love God is to know him. And, and here's the problem. Here's the problem in our, our modern day, and it was the problem back then. So many people have a false idea of who God is, and that's why they don't love him, because they really don't know him. Let me say that again, because that needs to sink in. So many people have, the, have a false idea of who God is, and that's why they don't love him, because they don't know him. So let me ask you this. What makes God worthy of our love? What makes God worthy of your affection? What makes God worthy of your praise? What makes God worthy of the position to sit on the throne of your heart? Can I tell you? Is it okay? You can say something. It's okay. I'm a, I'm a redneck from deep east Texas. And amen does me really good every now and then. Can, can I tell you what makes God worthy to sit on the throne of your heart? Here we go. God is the creator and sustainer of all things. 
He spoke everything into being. He created all things. And then, then he created man and he breathed the breath of life into him. He breathed it into him. And, and he breathed the breath of life into you, making you unique from all other things. You and I, he made us unique from all other things. In fact, he made us to be in intimate relationship with him. If you go back to the beginning of the book, God, God created all things. And then he created man and he put him in the garden. He goes, all of this I give to you. All of my goodness I, I, I give to you. And the beautiful thing is God walked in the garden with mankind at the beginning. All of those things, the cool of the evening, he walked with Adam. But here's the tragic part of that, that, that sin broke that relationship. The, the evil one came and, and tempted Adam and Eve and, and they sinned. They, they, they rebelled against the good nature of God. They, they rebelled against his, his good authority. And what happened, this relationship was broken. This authentic closeness that mankind had with God was broken because of sin. And here's the truth about it. You and I, every single one of us have done that. We see this in the garden. When Adam sinned, shame came and man hid himself from God. This is what the evil one wants. You think about this is, this is what the evil one wants. He wants us to sin and he wants us separated from God and he wants us to feel this weight of shame and drive us further away from our creator. But here's the beautiful thing. The good news. Here's the good news. Good news is that God is a God of reconciliation and restoration. He is a God of reconciliation and restoration. He is in the business of taking the junk that we mess up, rebuilding it, and making it so much more beautiful. And he does it in such a magnificent way. This triune community, this Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is one that God invites us into. He wants to restore that. In fact, he pursues us for real community. This is what sets Christianity apart from any other religion. Any other religion says, hey, uh, here is this God that you have to work your way to him. Christianity is the only, only true religion out there where we have a savior, a God that comes down and meets us where we are in our messiness and our junk. And he fixes that. He restores those things. You can amen that because that is the good news. So many people, this is, this is the thing about it is people don't know who God is. They think they've got to be good enough to come to church or good enough to have a good relationship with the Lord or whatever. I got to get myself cleaned up. No. In fact, God tells us you are incapable of cleaning yourself up. Everything that we do to try to do that is just worthless. And God says, if you just let me, if you would just trust in me, I'll clean you up. Not of your own doing, but I will do this. Look at, look at this. This is such a beautiful picture here. This trying community is one that God invites us into. He pursues us for real community. We see this divine, eternal community at work in our redemption. Here's the thing. The Father that lovingly sends the Son. John 3, 16. You guys know this, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The Father sends the Son. Now check this out. This, this community of God himself reconciling us. Check this out. The son willingly bears our sin. 
Look at this, John 10, 18. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I've received from my father. Jesus willingly lays his life down to take the wrath for your sin that you deserve. It's the truth of the gospel. This is what Jesus does for us. He lays his life down so that we, we don't have to. So community invites us into. Now, check this out. More community with the triune God. And the Spirit effectively applies the Son's works to our hearts. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. Do you guys see how important community is to God? It's not only that he exists in community with himself, but that he desires to be in community with us. And it's his community that draws us to him into that fellowship with him. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that just amazing? Yes, it is. That God would do that. And see, here's the thing. When we read throughout the Bible, we see this, this triune God making himself known because he wants us to know him. He wants us to know the real him. He wants us to know his heart. He wants us to know his grace. He wants us to know his mercy, his righteousness, his power, his holiness. He even wants us to know of his wrath. He wants us to know of his just justice, his protection, his power, his love. And he certainly wants us to know of his forgiveness. It's the God of the Bible that draws us into this. And, and here's the thing. If you call yourself a Christian today, this has worked in your life. God has brought you into this community with him. And if you're not, if you're, you're sitting here and go, well, well, I just want to come see what this praise in the park thing was all about. And these, this, this, this weirdo dude with the big beard that is at Calvary Severance. I want to see what it's all about. If I can tell you anything, I pray that you heard what I just shared. That outside of the community with God, you're condemned for all eternity. And I don't want that. And I know God doesn't want that. And you think, well, how do I get that? Simple. Surrender. Surrender. Surrender to the God that loves you. So very deeply that's gone through so much. To bring you close to him. To trust in him. To quit trying on your own. That's what that means. To, to let go of the junk that you think makes you whole and complete and trust in the one that does. Surrender your life to Jesus. I promise you, I promise you, you will never regret it. I promise. God has gone to great lengths to reconcile this relationship with us. And here's the beautiful thing about it. He had every right to say, I'm done, yet he doesn't. So let me ask you this question again. Why should we love God with all that we have? Why? We should love God with all that we have because he's loved us with all that he is. All that he is. First John 4.19 says we love because he first loved us. And to love God is to know of his love for us. 
A relationship with God is such an amazing privilege. You think about this. I mean, I mean, just just really try to comprehend this in your mind for just a second. Because so often, uh, uh, most of us raised in church, we kind of take this for granted. The creator of all things knows you, and you know him. You think about this. He knows you individually. The one that spoke everything into being, that, that was, was, is here eternally, knows you. I don't know about you guys, that's amazing. It's incredible that the God of all creation, I have this personal relationship with him. It's an amazing privilege and God restores that through faith in Jesus. And because, because that relationship is restored, we are commanded to share that with others. Now hear this, Christian, it's not optional for you. I love you enough to tell you. For you to, to, to say, yeah, I have this great relationship with God, but I'm not pursuing a relationship with anybody else, that's, that's not optional for you. God commands us to do that. Over and over in the Bible, it tells us to love one another, care for one another, commit to one another, help and encourage one another. This is, this is deeper than a simple acquaintance. It means that we get to know people. It is a meaningful and messy relationship because here's the thing. We all bring junk to the party. Don't we? We all bring junk we all bring junk to the relationship. Be naive to think that we don't. But here's the thing. Our love for others is an outflow of God's love for us. And here's the thing. We naive to think that I can't bring my junk to the party because isn't that our relationship with God? We give him all of our junk. In fact, he commands us to give him all of our junk. You got to dump it out at the cross. You can't hang on to that stuff. So why would we do that with one another? Our love for others is an outflow of God's love for us. In fact, to love others is to know God's love for us. So how do we do that? I got four things and I'm going to wrap things up. How do we do that? I want to point out just a few things and back them up. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25 is probably one of the best things, just practical applications for us about how we are in community with one another. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, and let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as it is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now check this out. What we see, uh, we see that the command for community among us. The writer tells us to consider. He says, I want you to think about this. Really consider. Not just go, oh, that's kind of a great idea. He goes, no, I want you to ponder this. I want you to devise a plan. Be strategic of how you can stir one another up. I, I learned this verse in the NIV. And I love what it says in the NIV. It says, figure out how to spur one another along. You guys know what a spur is? Do you know what it's designed for? It's designed to cause a little bit of pain. Cowboys wear those spurs and they're sharp and they, 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 they kick the horse in the side and it's to get the, the horse moving. And I love this picture that we see here. We need to, sometimes I need a little spurring along. Sometimes I need a good swift kick in the seat of the pants for good community. It requires action. Sometimes hard action. 
and shows that we need to pursue real relationships. So here's, here's how we do it. Four things of how we do that. Here's the first one. We need to be intentional. We need to be intentional. What I mean here is that we should, we should be intentional in pursuing real relationships with other people. Can I just brag on our church just a little bit? I've never, ever been a part of a church family that does this so well. I'm not saying we're perfect because there's a lot of things that fall through the cracks. But I'm amazed at seeing how our people just truly pursuing real intentional relationships with other people. What we see here is is, is what we're commanded to here to do is have the mindset of seeking to have real, true relationships. We should take steps to to meet and befriend people. And here's, here's the thing. You know what breaks my heart as a pastor? I hate for people to fall through the cracks. It hurts me. I wear that. There are times that I wake up and I go, oh my goodness, I didn't say hi to someone. I haven't seen this family. And my heart hurts for them. I go, and I'm wondering if they are they in community. They're being encouraged with the Lord. And so often here that I that, that as a pastor, I hear people say, Well, I, I just don't feel connected. That breaks my heart. But 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 sometimes here's here's my my response to that. What have you intentionally done to be connected? See, sometimes we can't just put that off on someone else. How are we being intentional to connect with other people? Look at how intentional Jesus is in establishing a relationship with us. You talk about intentional. He stepped down from heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, came and clothed himself in human flesh. This is God in the flesh. felt every pain, every struggle that we do. Just to come and have a relationship with you. That's intentional. He comes to us. He calls us. He's relentless. And here's the thing. He doesn't wait on us. Regardless of what we think, God God doesn't wait on us. He moves. And he does it in a way that is at great cost and comfort to himself. Man, what a way to reach our community. To be intentional with real relationships, just to know people. Here's the second thing. Love over like. Love over like. A big hang up in so many relationships is, is I don't like that person. Or maybe I won't like them. That's the biggest thing. That's true. They get it. Liking people. However, here's the thing. This is what I tell people all the time. Bible never tells us we are to like people. I've read it. I've read it. And if you found it in here where the Bible says, hey, you need to like people, you come and show it to me. Because I haven't read it in here. You know what I do? You see? You better love people. Look at Matthew 544, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Whew. How good are we at that? All too often we worry more about liking someone and not focusing on loving them. We don't like people because they're different than us. This is what we often rest on. Here, here's where we 
we land on this. Here's what I, I often find. We don't like people because they sin differently than us. Amen? Maybe, maybe people are your enemy. Maybe they don't like you. You ever thought of that? Maybe they don't like us. But, but here's the thing. Here's what I've found. What if we try loving people? You don't have to like them. But you got to love them. The Bible tells us that we were enemies of God. We were enemies of God. We sin and it's an offense against God and he hates it. But he loves us. He loves us. And being, being in God's image, we are to bear that image of love to others. And here, here's what I found. When we strive to love people, oftentimes we figure out that we kind of like them. I call that a win-win right there. Here's the third thing. Let's think, I think we need to be realistic with our expectations of people. We need to be realistic. Big, a big hindrance to lasting and authentic relationships is an unrealistic, uh, unrealistic expectations we have of people. And what I mean by this is we often have this unrealistic expectation to perform from others and for others. To be authentic means to be real and in real relationships. And, and to know this, you're going to fail people. Can I just be honest with you? If you call Calvary Severance your home or even thinking about it, let me just set this straight right now. I'm going to fail you. I'm going to disappoint you. I may say something you don't like. I ask that you forgive me beforehand. This is, this is just the reality of who we are. We are broken people and broken people do broken things. We do broken things and we should, we should hold others to the same expectations that we want them to hold us to. So we need to be realistic with expectations. How, how about we try forgiveness over bitterness? How about we give people the benefit of the doubt? How about we try that? Look at, look at our relationship with God. I always go back to this because here's the thing you know, I said before. Well, I don't think we can separate the two. Our, 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 our community with the Lord is a reflection of our, our community with others is a reflection of our community with God. This is how we do that. I don't think we can do that. Think about this, how our relationship with the Lord. He forgives us and he's not bitter. It says that he, he casts our sins as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't hold it because he's paid for that. This is what he's done. He doesn't, doesn't expect perfection from us. He expects us to strive for it, but he doesn't expect it from us. That's Jesus. That's Christ and Christ alone. Instead, what we see here is his perfection covers us. How about some grace and mercy for one another? Because God has given us abundance of grace and mercy. Check out Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. He says this, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespass, neither will your Father forgive your trespass. Those are heavy words. What a great direction we are to go to understand the grace that we have with God and extend that to others. And here's the last one. 
I like this. We need to commit to one another and not quit one another. We tend to think that, that the easiest option sometimes when things get a little rough is, I'm out. I'm bailing. Too hard. Not worth it. That's what I see so very often in relationships, especially in church. People just quit. It's easy. Let me tell you the reality of it. It's frustrating. It's taxing when this happens. And it's, I'll, be, I'll argue with it, it's sinful. To just bail and walk away, it's, it's sinful. Here, here's what happens when you walk away. People suffer. People suffer when you just ghost and walk away. Ministry suffers. The church suffers. The community suffers. And you know what else suffers? The gospel suffers. Because when we bail and walk away from, from deep, meaningful relationships with one another, what we say, what we're communicating is, you're not important enough for me. And therefore, the message of the gospel is not that important. We need to commit to one another. No church is perfect, and no community is perfect. And if we use, use little imperfections in a church or, or our community or relationship as an excuse to bail, we are part of the problem and not the solution. How about we love one another? How about we love one another to, enough to confront one another going, hey, I don't like this. We need to work this out. We're to love one another enough to seek the betterment of our community. Our community as a church, a community of friends, our community as a whole here. And then here's the thing. Commitment requires sacrifice. Jesus was fully committed to us in our faults, in our imperfections. And he calls us to commit to his bride, the church. And he calls us to commit to our community. Look at the great sacrifice in him for us. And my encouragement for you is press in and don't walk away. That's what it means to be in true community. And here's the thing. I, I, I love, man, I love severance. I love this community. I love it. I love it with all that I am. I love our people. I love that we get to do the things that we get to do. I love, I love all of these things. Because here's the thing. It's vital to us. It's vital to me. It's, it's, I would argue it's vital to you. And true gospel community is even more vital because that has an eternal impact. And, and, and here's the thing. We were designed to be in community with each other and especially in community with God. We are to pursue these relationships the way that Jesus pursues us. So I have, I have three questions I just want you to, to think about and ponder as we, we leave here this morning. Number one is this. And probably the most important, because this is, where we, this is where we start. But I don't think we can move on in real community without this one. How, how is your community with Jesus? Honestly, how is your community with the Lord? Is it good? Is it strained? Maybe you don't know it. Maybe you have an idea of who Jesus is. My, my prayer is that you know the true Savior. 
But he is the way, the truth, and the life. And you, no one comes to God except through him. How is your relationship with Jesus? Here's the second one. How are you pursuing real community? How are you pursuing real community here in Severance with the people that are across the street from you? The, 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 the people that are beside you, the people that you work with. How are you pursuing real messy community? And here's the third one. What are some barriers that you need to overcome to pursue real community? Is it your pride? Is it, is it the reality of that you have some junk? And the truth is that everybody else has some junk too? Here's my suggestion. Let's just get it out there and let everybody look at it for a little bit. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. And so often that is such a hindrance for real community. What are some other barriers? Maybe you don't like those people. Well, maybe they don't like you either. But how are you loving them? How are you loving them? And finding the benefit and the joy and the peace of loving others. Community is vital. It's the way that we're built and made and created to be in community. So how is your community? First and foremost with the Lord and secondly with others. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for this morning. Thank you for the beautiful weather and a little bit of a breeze. God, I thank you that we could have such a great weekend of just hanging out and being in our community, meeting people, knowing people. Father, I pray that you would challenge us and convict us of the first and foremost, our community with you. God, I pray that you would help us to, to be in good and better community with you. And Lord, I ask that you would, you would help us to love one another. Lord, we, we can't do any of this on our own. And we know that we need you for that. So God, would you be gracious to us and help facilitate those things, Lord? We love you. We thank you for all that you are and all that you do. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.